As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. of Life and Death, a podcast from Premier Unbelievable. Hello and welcome to Matters of Life and Death. As always, I'm Tim Wyatt, but this is actually pretty much the last you'll hear of my voice this episode, as we've taken a few weeks off over Easter. So, instead of a regular episode, to keep you going over the break, we're going to be sharing a discussion John had on AI, chat GPT, and the future technology with Justin Briley and Ruth Jackson from Premiere Unbelievable. Today's episode is the first part of their fascinating discussion, so do check back in next Wednesday for part two. And happy Easter! Hello and welcome to today's webinar, our live show, How to Live Faithfully in a Technologically Confusing World. I'm Justin Briley, joined by Ruth Jackson as my co-presenter, and our special guest today is Dr. John Wyatt. John is a Christian physician and research scientist who hosts the Matters of Life and Death podcast for Premier Unbelievable and is author of the book, The Robot Will See You Now. We'll meet John properly in just a moment's time. But uh, thank you for coming along. And we always have viewers from all over the world. So do tell us where you're coming from uh, in the chat today. Uh, We'd love to know. Uh, Do feel free to, to drop a message in the chat and tell us where you're tuning in from. Um, uh, I should say this feels like a really prescient uh, moment to be talking about AI. There's been so much on our news screens and media about AI and technology just recently. Uh, We do live in this, this almost the world of sci-fi. It feels more and more. Uh, The world is being radically changed, I think, by the biotechnology, by AI. Um, And, and we end up interacting, I think, often more with, with, digital programming than people a lot of the time um so john welcome you're you're going to be helping us to navigate this strange new world aren't you <laughs> yes it, it's a it is an amazing time to be alive and uh, but it's a deeply confusing time at the same time isn't it i should say as well welcome to ruth jackson as well ruth hello welcome along. hello good, good to have you with us too you'll be helping to, to to put the questions to john tonight um how was christmas though john how was new year and all, all of that sort of thing Yeah, thanks. We had a a pretty non-digital analogue Christmas meeting family and uh, grandchildren. Uh, My wife and I, we've got four grandchildren. And uh, so it was was a lovely family time, actually. And it's nice to be able to put the devices down for a bit, isn't it? But uh, now back in January, it seems like the whole thing is starting up again. (laughs) 
It does. Yeah. The, the world gets back into its yeah previous and, and ever faster rhythm, it feels like. Um, but anyway, tonight we'll be able to talk about, about all that. Um, Ruth, do you want to tell us where some of our, our viewers are joining Yeah, from? I mean, they really are from all over the world. We've got Brazil, Sweden, quite a few people within the UK, Doncaster, Oklahoma. I'm aware that's not in the UK, Kansas, <laughs> um, Norway. Uh, apparently raining southern california i didn't even think that was a thing. rainy southern california i know it's very oh, don't british hear that very often no i know how very british of us to be talking about the weather again uh baltimore charleston all over the place uh yeah more north carolina wembley minnesota yeah lots well, uh, germany many many places nottinghamshire has just come in yeah Lots of people well, from well, welcome the- along wherever you wherever you're tuning in from. We're so glad to have you um, for this our first live show of 2023. Um, you've been actually you and your journalist son Tim um, part of the Premier Unbelievable Network for nearly a year now. Um, the Matters of Life and Death podcast joined us, I think, in March last year. Tell us a little bit about that particular podcast. What's it about? What do you talk about? Yes, I mean it's great to be part of the uh, the Premier. Uh, team. Uh, we started this podcast, my son and I, uh, actually at the time of the pandemic when uh, both of us were unable to travel and it was really a bit of an experiment. But uh, every week we have a, uh, a discussion and it's pretty wide ranging. It started off mainly to do with medical things, particularly to do with the pandemic. Lots of issues coming up about you know, the the virus and about vaccines and so on. But we've gradually extended to really anything which is either uh, medicine, healthcare, technology, science, uh, and related issues, trying to to think through and discuss uh, some of the challenges, trying to understand what's going on in this confusing world. And then how on earth do we go about trying to make some kind of response from a Christian perspective? And it's got a lovely sort of father and son dynamic to it as well. I like I like that that it is presented by a father and a son. Um, and I always come away from every episode learning, knowing things I didn't know when I started and, and having obviously your your own wise counsel to, to think through them as well. So thank you for it. Um, uh, and of course, there's a book as well, isn't there? Um, so so this was the, the robot will see you now. That was your last major published book, wasn't it? That's right. Um, so this came out from a research project that I was uh, a part of. I've been fascinated by artificial intelligence for a number of years, and um, I managed to persuade the Faraday Institute, uh, based in Cambridge, that this was a, a good topic for a research project. And uh, I got together a whole bunch of, of scientists, uh, theologians, and so on. And, and eventually, we wrote this this book um tackling a whole range of of issues based ranging from science fiction theology through to practical things like sex robots and employment and healthcare and so on john we've heard lots about some of the challenges and opportunities of ai um, but you think that this is the moment in our culture where christians actually have an opportunity to sort of stand up and be clear about what it means to be human would you just share a little bit about that yeah so I've been involved in areas of science and technology, uh, starting from my background as a as a medic um, uh, over many years. And, and the interesting thing is each time technology advances, it seems to go back to raise this fundamental question, what does it mean to be human? Mm. And often it's raising it in a new way where we haven't quite thought of before. And I think it's artificial intelligence and robotics, which is raising that question in a new way. What does it mean to be human? And the interesting thing is that a lot of scientists, a lot of just ordinary people are actually asking the same question. Um, and 
of course, as Christians, we do have a wonderful and profound answer. Uh, the, the Bible gives us a, a rich understanding of what it means to be a human, both a wonderful thing made out of, uh, uh, made in God's image to reflect God's reality, but also made out of dust, incredibly vulnerable and, and weak and profound, and, and then fallen, affected by, by sin. So I think this understanding of what it means to be human is, has something very special to say in this world where, where robots and AI are taking over. When it comes to some of the key players, you know, Elon Musk is obviously a name lots of people associate with the advance of technology and so on. Um, he's almost a you know perfect character to star in some James Bond film, isn't he? As a super super villain taking <laughs> over the world with his his AI on his his space rockets. But um, but what to what extent has sci-fi? Do you think kind of played into this whole revolution that we're now sort of living through? Yeah, my conviction is science fiction is is far more important than most people realize. And actually, to be honest, if you really want to understand what is going on, including from a Christian, you read to, you need to read sci-fi. Because what's so interesting is that all the other technological revolutions that happen, things like, you know, uh, the age of steam and the development of electricity and all these kind of things, the technology comes first and then the novelists come along mm -hmm. and write novels about it. So Charles Dickens writes about mm. the age of steam and the Industrial Revolution and so on. What's unique about this one is that for a hundred years people have been writing and speculating about uh, artificial intelligence, and particularly a, a lot of dystopian fiction about the machines battling against human beings, and also utopian uh, worlds where the robots do everything and the human beings have nothing to do but enjoy themselves. and most of the people who work in this field the scientists and technologists are themselves science fiction nerds and elon musk is a classic example and he has spoken about this repeatedly uh, that actually he's trying to make the science fiction come true and and that's why you know he read about electric cars okay so we've got to make electric cars happen we've we've read about rope rockets and also now he's got a thing called Neuralink, where we connect mm. the human brain to computers. These are all science fiction ideas, which he is trying to make come come real. Then what happens is the, the next generation of novelists come along and say, oh, that's a really interesting idea. They mm. more novels and then and so on. There's a kind of feedback loop going on here. And I, I think, therefore, understanding the science fiction uh, is important. And, you know, when we come to robots, this is really important because there are so many robots in the novels. Mm. It starts with Asimov mm. and even before then. And these robots are all intelligent. They've all got a kind of consciousness. They're all planning and scheming. Mm. And, and therefore, when we meet a real world robot, we can't help but putting that kind of science fiction gloss onto it. E even if it's highly debatable whether a sentient conscious robot could ever exist. I mean, it's almost assumed in the sci-fi that's where it's heading. And it feels like that that's been taken on by the Elon Musk. Well, of course we're going to develop. Whereas that's, that's not a given by any means, is it? Is it John? No, it isn't. And, and actually it's, it's an incredibly complex and, and, and difficult issue. I've been trying to wrap my head around this issue of consciousness and, and robot. And it, it's almost like you go down the rabbit hole because the problem is, we only know about consciousness in a human being. That's our only experience of what it's like to be conscious comes from human beings. And even 
as I stare at you, Justin, I don't really know that you're conscious. I mean, you could be a zombie. You could be just going through the motions. Well, you could be the latest AI simulation, John. Oh, you, you didn't realise. You just, you just yeah. spotted me. Yeah. So the, sooner or later, there are going to be uh, AIs that claim to be conscious. And the interesting thing is there is no way that we can ever know for certain. There's no test for consciousness. There's no way. And some people are suggesting we're going to have to set up committees that are whenever an, a new software program comes along and claims to be conscious, we're going to have to have committees which decide is this actually genuinely conscious? If it is, we're going to have to treat it with, give it rights. We're going to have to make sure we uh, don't damage it or cause pain. Uh, we're not going to be allowed to switch it off, even if it gets on our nerves and, and so on and so on. And people are seriously um, projecting forward what, what society is going to be like when we've got all these so-called conscious robots. Well, I guess that sort of raises the question of the role of evil. So Roz Picard, who's at MIT, and I don't know whether anyone saw this, but she she did a big conversation with Justin and Nick Bostrom and other scientists. And she said, which I thought was really interesting, that people use a AI to amplify either the good or the bad things that they're doing. So that, I think, raises the question of evil, doesn't it? You know, where is the role of evil in all of this? And, and, and what, what's kind of the church's responsibility in all of this, John, do you think? That's absolutely right. And one of the fascinating things about the technology world and the world of, of, of science and materialism is that they don't have a category for evil. It, it doesn't really compute. They understand that there can be things like programming errors, they understand that there can be kind of just random things going wrong. But the idea that there is actually a malevolence that people or forces would want to do things in a, in a, in a genuinely malevolent way, it doesn't compute. I mean, why would that happen? Why would that happen in a world of physics? And so interestingly, it's, it's really, I think, Christians who do have a much deeper and, and a more profound understanding that evil is a real phenomenon but it's not this the supreme phenomenon it's not mm. you know the power of god the power of goodness is greater than evil but at the same time we've got to respect evil we've got to take it seriously we've got to recognize that evil can sort of emerge out of neutral technology and i, I think the most thing, the greatest thing we should be concerned of is not so much about evil robots or terminators. <laughs> what we should be concerned about is evil human beings who can use this technology for their own malevolent purposes. Yes. I mean, St. Paul obviously talked about the principalities and powers. And, and by that, you know, I think he was talking in Ephesians about the both the, the earthly powers and the spiritual powers. But I, I think today you could say, big tech is becoming one of those earthly powers. It's something and, and Christians need to be ready, I suppose, to, to, to understand that and, and respond to it appropriately. I think that's absolutely right. And, and I think so far, I'm afraid the kind of biblical theological thinking is way behind mm. uh, where, where the technology is. Uh, and one of my frustrations is actually it's turned out to be pretty hard to get serious theologians and Bible scholars mm. to engage with this stuff. Most of them think it's just 
it's for the yeah. birds it's not serious it's, yeah it's yeah it's still so just on. sort of it's, things people talk about yeah. online and, and and but no i mean it is we're going to come in a moment to, to something that's just happened in the in the last few weeks that, that a lot of people have been talking about chat gpt um just a reminder though before we we talk about that um because some people have been joining us as we've been having this conversation you can ask your questions um, we're going to be coming to those questions in just a moment this is a great moment to pop a question in the q a and we'll get to as many of them as we can during the course of today's show, we'll put them to John here. You're listening to Matters of Life and Death, a podcast from Premier Unbelievable. We, we published an article on AI about a week ago on our premier unbelievable website it was titled should christians be concerned about the rapid <laughs> advancements in artificial intelligence I, I sent this to you the other day john just to have a look at it see what you, you thought did. of it you and i thought you, well you, it's sort of you know you think? Yeah, go on. I, I thought it was yeah. you know it's not it's not the best thing i've ever read but you know <laughs> i've read other things written by christians which were far worse i thought it was fairly balanced okay <laughs> okay well good okay middle of the road middle um, of the road well and, and then we, of course, let the cat out of the bag with you, John. It was written by AI. Um, so we thought we'd just try this little experiment of seeing whether people twigged. And to be honest, I haven't seen anyone actually twig that this was written by AI. And it's just a, a, it just shows you how far this technology is coming. Now, we'd love to, to just demonstrate how we created this article, because lots of people have been talking about this new AI platform, ChatGPT. It's freely available. Anyone can go on it, register. And it's it's almost like magic what this program can do. <laughs> um, uh, you, you put in your command, you write it in plain English. There's no HTML code or anything like that needed. And what you can see here is, is the way that we created this by just asking it to create an article about 1500 words um, using quotes from a famous atheist, a famous Christian, include a Bible verse for reassuring Christians about the uncertainties of AI. Please also give this article a catchy title that will get people's attention, a single sentence summary of the article and so on, a made up name for the author. So you give the instructions and then look what happens. It literally just starts to write the article for you. Um, and you can do this on any subject. Uh, you can ask it to write um, a film script. You could ask it to create a recipe. You could ask it to plan a church service. Mm. I mean, there's there's all you know the possibilities are almost endless with this. And 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 so this is an article that it wrote. Now, this isn't the article that we posted because actually, when we came to record this, it, it wrote a different article. Actually, arguably a slightly better article than the <laughs> first one. Um, but it's just it's just kind of mind blowing and. Um, I should say it we we asked it to invent a name for the for the this uh you know the author it, it came up with Sarah Johnson from Stanford University but it fooled you John um it so did. yeah so what what do you think about all of this <laughs> well it's, it's unbelievable isn't it because um you know if, if you had said 10 years ago that this technology would be able to just out of the blue um give quite a, a thoughtful, well-argued, sensible, apparently intelligent piece, uh, you would have said that that is science fiction. And, and it just shows you how predicting where this technology is going um, is is really problematic. And, and 
I mean, this is raising a lot of, of questions, all kinds of practical issues. Like, for instance, you know, if you get this to write your essay for you, I mean, why do you worry about uh, yeah. both at school, uh, university? I mean, I mean this know, is going to be an absolute nightmare for it teachers, is nightmare. isn't it? I mean, is it plagiarism? Is it? You know? <laughs> well, it's not because it's not even if it was just copying and pasting bits of the Internet, that would be one thing. But it's writing completely unique copy every time that's that's the point about it. it it is quite quite extraordinary um yeah i mean and what is I mean, extraordinary actually yeah, is, i mean I, I don't fully understand the technology but as much as i understand basically what has happened is that these programs have have gone across the entire internet and, and all languages scraping up literally billions and billions and billions of pieces of text but then the machine learning system basically analyzes it and and they have two two programs sort of competing against each other one program is trying to generate ai and the uh, text and the other one is is testing it and critiquing it mm. and what it's trying to do is predict what the next word will be in 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 all these billions of words, right. it's trying to predict what the next word will be. And it keeps getting better and better at predicting what the next word will be. And apparently it runs both forwards and backwards. So it's not only predicting what the next word is going to be, but it also <laughs> predicts what the last word was. Wow. And eventually, by doing this millions and millions and millions and millions of times, it then produces this text. In other words, it mm. doesn't genuinely understand anything. It doesn't have a database of, of information. It's some kind of weird mashup of billions and billions and billions of, mm. of, of text. Mm. And again, the fascinating thing about this technology is that even the best computer scientists could not tell you why it wrote that particular sentence. Mm. It, 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 in yeah. that sense, it's completely... It, it's a kind of a black serious. box almost, it's a black isn't box. it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's no doubt that it's clearly ridiculously intelligent, but but and and really helpful in some respects. You know, Justin mentioned their sermons, things like that. I know a church leader who wrote just just as an experiment. He didn't use it, but I kind of <laughs> asked it for a order of service, and and it responded in thirty seconds with a liturgy, with sort of call and response, with hymns, with prayers, with Bible passages, with a short sermon. So there's clearly no doubt that it's really useful. But but is it just useful, or is it sort of evidence that humans are increasingly becoming unnecessary? Do you think? You know, are we all going to be done out of jobs because of <laughs> AI in the future, John? I don't think so, because actually every single word that that produced was written by a human in that sense it's not original at all it has simply statistically generated vast amounts of of text and because it doesn't understand anything it's perfectly capable of saying things which are completely wrong mm. it there's a medical term called confabulation which some people with brain injury do where they just you ask them a question and they invent a memory they just and it churns out and it's incredibly realistic but they're actually just confabulating and and that's what this does it it invents things that never happened it it, it invents conversations historical conversations events and so on and the other thing that is if you actually left this to do itself, it would spew out obscenities, sexual references, uh, hate speech, and so on. So there's a, a second process, which is an extraordinarily mm. detailed curation and uh, removal. And who's doing that? Well, of course, it's human beings and human moderators who are 
who are making sure that this will only generate acceptable text. Yeah, that, that in a sense, you always have to have a human at the other end to make sense of it, because as much as we call it artificial intelligence, the, the only real intelligence is, is up here in our human exactly. mind, where we can ascribe meaning to something, as you say. The AI has no idea what it's doing. It's just following a program. Um, yes, and, so, and so, I think yeah. as as we look to the future, yes, these things are going to get more and more apparently sophisticated, and we're going to find it harder and harder to tell what is genuinely human. Mm. But most experts think actually, when it comes to real understanding, real comprehension, they're not getting anywhere. Um, mm. And and actually, there's going to need to be a new breakthroughs fundamental breakthroughs in, in computer science and in cognition and, and maybe in philosophy before machines are ever really going to be mm. able to comprehend in the way that the human mind can well um as i mentioned please do get those questions coming in we'd, we'd love to have your questions to ask john for the rest of the program today uh just pop them in the q a and we'll get to as many as we can just before we go to a question um, we'd like to say uh, thank you if you support the show. It makes a huge difference to us being able to bring you resources, podcasts like Matters of Life and Death, like Unbelievable, uh, all the articles we put out, the videos and uh, courses and so on. Uh, and if you're able to support us, we've got a special link where you can click through uh, to make a gift. And we've got a, a thank you for that as well. Um, and it's rather appropriate to our guest today because you'll receive, if you're able to support us with the link, uh, a special ebook edition of John's Big Conversation Dialogue with Lord Martin Rees. This took place last year. It was part of our big conversation. They were talking about robots, transhumanism and life beyond Earth. Uh, this contains the whole of their conversation, but it also has over 100 pages of bonus interviews and articles. So there's loads to get your teeth into there. And we'll send that to you as a thank you if you're able to support us. Uh, the link, as I mentioned, is with the uh that is in the chat if you're with us live if you're watching at a later date or listening it's still available just go to the info with today's show and you'll be able to access it as well that's all we have time for this week unfortunately but do check back in next time for the second half of this discussion with john ruth and justin Thanks for listening, and we hope you all have a wonderful Easter. You've been listening to Matters of Life and Death, a podcast from Premier Unbelievable.